And what is up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Lore Ford's podcast for Ashes of Creation. And this is episode number six. We're your hosts. My name is Jibs, and I'm joined by... Son, just kidding, Cash. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I was so used to you introducing him first that I was <laughs> I had a mouthful of coffee. Give <laughs> you a little that moment. Yeah, you, that was a deke. I am... Um, uh, I'm I'm flattered. I'm flattered. I'm coughing up because I took the girls to dinner tonight. And um, I, I'm trying to figure out why I want to go to sleep right now. And it couldn't possibly have been the dressingless Cobb salad I had. Perhaps it was the chaser of bread pudding. Ooh, look at you go. You're just branching out there. Or maybe the dirty martini. Does alcohol have that, have that effect? <laughs> Does alcohol have, have have that effect on people where it makes you want to sleep? Is that is that what it does? It's a downer. <laughs> okay. And Mr. Sunny Ravencourt's back. I work in a college town, so the only effect alcohol has on people is to make them climb light poles and fall into the street. <laughs> oh, oh, I hate to BD oh your gosh. story, but our college kids in my college town that I work in they like to jump off the pier and hang on to the pylon at 2 a.m. And guess who gets to go get them? That's fun. That's actually yeah, pretty we more impressive. Just, we more just watch and, and wait for the disaster to happen. You seem to be a proactive sort of rescuer. <laughs> Sonny's well. sitting back with his crew. You want to take a bet on that? How long is it going? <laughs> Give it five minutes, tops. Oh, gentlemen, it is good to be back on the microphone. And before we begin, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, pushing play on the podcast, and hanging out here with us. We appreciate having you here. And uh, guys, it has been a week. We have been kind of all over the place. I feel like, Sonny, I feel like we haven't been able to chit-chat with you too much here lately. I know you've been leveling up in real life, and now you're back in the mix. Yeah, it was uh, it was a real thing uh, being out. Uh, I went out to Maryland uh, for a little bit for work, and I listened to the podcast quite literally as I was in a convent room in a, in a former convent turned dormitory uh, for a government operation. And uh, listening to you guys talk was uh, you were pretty excited. <laughs> You're pretty excited about the uh, the Node uh, development review, and uh, and I watched it myself, and it was really, really impressive. So I think that I would have shared a lot of that excitement with you. I, I certainly am with you in that the first thing that needed to be discussed was capes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, what's funny is we are not the only podcast that has, that has talked about that. I've been listening to some other shows this week just to kind of hear other reactions to kind of see where where we're at. Like, are we being like overly excited about this? But everybody was pretty dang excited about the visuals, too. So it was, it was pretty cool to see throughout the week. It was a real thing where you, you could see like the um, the fabric, you know, we're so used to any sort of cloth type of thing having this sort of. Uh, ripple as though you were wearing, say, a molded piece of thin aluminum. <laughs> it just kind of floats behind right. you and moves in a very <laughs> static sort of way. Whereas this thing was actually rippling like cloth in the wind. It was it was very impressive. I love that. That's the first thing you got out of it too. How could you not? I mean, he's standing there. He's like, "Welcome to the stream," and he's got this glorious cape that's <laughs> wrapping around his legs, and it's like the only thing on the screen. He might as well have said, "Welcome to the stream. Do you like my cape?" <laughs> 
Yeah, it's, it's almost like he, could, he knew the direction that wind was going because he he'd take like a couple little steps to the right, little, little steps to the right, just to like <laughs> to get the wind to just grab that cape like a freaking sailboat, man. Just like check out my resplendent cape. <laughs> It's like the perfect Superman pose, you know, like the end of the movie after he conquers uh-huh. his enemy and it's just wafting <laughs> proudly in the wind. Yep. It's like, oh, only, if only he could put his, his fist on his hips right. and just like stuck right. on flex. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, gentlemen, this brings us, uh, your segue to this is actually quite perfect because this brings us to one of our old, old segments from a previous iteration, uh, not of this show, but a previous show that we did called Legends of Tyria. We did a show about Guild Wars 2, and one of the exciting things about the Guild Wars 2 community is that the people on Reddit are real human beings that appear to be nice and pleasant and exciting, and they have all sorts of things. I don't know quite yet if the Ashes community is going to live up to that gold standard, it's real early in this, but uh, one of the segments that we had was KOTOR. Check out this thing on Reddit. And I thought that I would bring it back for you guys. And so I've got a nice little surprise for you here. Are you guys excited for KOTOR, for the return of KOTOR? Oh, very excited. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah, we, we loved we loved this segment uh, when we did that other show because it was it's just full of just a bunch of funny stuff. And this is like... Completely off the cuff. Only Sonny knows about this. We have not seen it. It's nowhere in our notes. So this is this is going to be fun. I'm excited. Yes. Now, I will say this about the Reddit community for Ashes of Creation. Because the game isn't out, a lot of the stuff that I would pull from Reddit for Guild Wars is not there yet. You know, the, a lot of the stuff was them doing cosplay and things that they found in the game and other stuff like that. And so this, I believe, will get there, but it's not quite there yet. So it, it's it's a little bit of slim pickings, but it's still out there. You mean for Ashes? Pardon me. No, I'm... With <laughs> Guild, Guild Wars... Wars. With oh. Guild Wars, the stuff was there. So, you know, mm. they had the cosplay. Ah. They had the, the in-game playing stuff. They had the cool, funny moments that will exist eventually but for ashes it doesn't exist yet so you're having to scroll through reddit to find you know some of the interesting things and without gameplay it's a little tougher i imagine that alpha will probably change some of that uh this one though i did find and i thought this is a perfect start to kotor so this is from a guy named smac13 and the post is roleplay idea easy to implement during character creation choose a backstory similar to dungeons and dragons or baldur's gate and then have a few five or six unique emotes phrases or character animations that are only available to players with that backstory to help you define your character arc down the road when you select a subclass. Hmm. What do you think of that idea? Cash? I, I of course, am an advocate for any type of roleplay stuff. Not a massive roleplayer, but I love to add some elements of roleplay into my game. I always have. I, I most definitely always will. My issue with this might mirror the opinion of developers because I think what people would be upset about at least nowadays 
Somebody might be upset about the fact that, oh, they chose that, but now I can't go back and change it. You can't go back and change your backstory. So now those emotes are not available for that person. So I could see some disparity there eventually. I personally think that that's not a big deal, but others might find that a problem. I love the idea, though. I think it would be fantastic. I love the D&D style of being able to choose your backstory or in the games that don't have that option available, like we've always kind of just gone and written backstories for our characters as nerdy as it probably is, as nerdy as it is, definitely. But it's just awesome. More depth to your character. Yes, A+. JB? Yeah, I think I'm on the same lines as Cash here, except for um, maybe we could make it just a couple tweaks to, to that idea instead of picking... And if I'm understanding this correctly, you know, like certain emotes that are partial to the people who chose that backstory. Why not open it up something more like three emotes that kind of define your character that that any, you know, anyone can pick any three doesn't matter. But you pick three that really kind of represent your character for that backstory that you have written. I want to add to that when they mouse over, maybe there could be a feature where. They could I don't know, enable backstories on mouse over so you could see just a little scotch of pop up of a backstory that that you've put together. That's a better idea. Something like um, RP uh, was it RP3. What was that? The total RP3 in Warcraft total. Yeah. Total RP3 in Warcraft um, is really cool because it allows other players that have that add on to mouse over your name and see that you have a backstory that they could read if they want. So imagine something like that native to the systems of the game where you could literally mouse over another player. And I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people that want to write a backstory for their characters in Bear. I really do. I think this is the crowd that would want to do that. Definitely a, a, a larger PvP crowd as well. So PvPers typically don't really like roleplay very much. I don't mean to, you know, back any type of player into a corner, but that seems to be the norm. But there will be a lot of people that actually want to do those kinds of things and, and add some depth to their character. So it'd be cool to be able to mouse over somebody's name and get more about that per or, you know, that person, that character would be super cool. Yeah. Uh, they have this in a lot of games, right? Where you have to pick, um, I think that they had this in Guild Wars 2 specifically, where you picked a sort of like, did you come from the streets? Did you were you cast off from the circus? You yeah. know, where you, <laughs> yeah. you had these other things like that. And then in 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 Guild Wars 2, you actually had quests or at least quest flavor that went along with that. So I think that this idea kind of stems from that. I love the idea of having an optional sort of role play section that says, do you want to write a backstory? Here's a few emotes you can pick from. You can't pick them all. You got to pick a couple that, that are real RP flavor type of emotes, right? Like not like teabagging or something like that, yeah. but you know, yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe something different like begging or something would be cool, you know, panhandling or, or other, other things like that, you know, that, that you could have a real addition to it. So it's a good idea with a little bit of tweaking. I don't think you'd have people go super crazy. You put, you put a timer, you know, a cool down on changing this stuff. You want to change it. Okay, fine. Change it, but you can't change it back for three weeks and and people i think would really enjoy something like that it's a good and simple idea to really encourage encourage roleplay and i think that anything that you can do to encourage 
Role playing in a role playing game is right on the mark for me. I think that the movement in MMOs has swung in the past to just end game rating, gear score, et cetera, et cetera. But now I feel like we might be pendulum swinging back a little bit to games that are games. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Do you think we're like getting there? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think uh, going kind of going back to your your first point, when you can support RP in the RPG, that's a good thing. When the more that you can connect your character, and I'll be honest, I was very very foreign until Warlords of Draenor for Warcraft when Cash and I joined an RP guild. That was my first true venture into RP. I remember we went to. Oh my gosh, I forget the name of the forest, but it was the Wrath of the Lich King's expansion, the, the forest zone there with the tall trees, and we were going through, and other people met us there, and I'll never forget it, and we had a full-on skirmish, it was against another crew, They every and you know, out of character, everyone knew we were going to meet, but in character, we didn't know, and it was this full, just kind of random feeling, kind of warlike experience, and I always remember that, and I always thought, I'm like, wow, that's really cool, and so I feel like the more that any time that you can support your player base where they can get more connected, more connected, those two words, together with their character, it's always going to be a win because then it further connects them with, with in this case, Vera. And so having some... I, I know there's a wiki page for the role play, and there's probably people listening right now who's way more rehearsed in that than I am off the top of my head, but I sure do hope that there are steps taken to really support this area because i'll be honest with you i distinctly remember being this person pre this was years and years and years ago of rp like what is that like what why are we doing this but then when you dive in and you get really connected then you're just like oh, okay okay this is fun number one number two it's fun to write story and if you like to write at all it's really healthy for you it's really helpful too so it's just really fun yeah i started dabbling in role play back with uh elder scrolls online and that was when we were doing we were doing all of our lore lessons and i started doing video to the lore lessons on youtube and i was actually like going through going to some of these areas that i was narrating in the game so there'd be game video of me at those locations and i really kind of started getting a little bit more into role play then and the one that really sold me jibs i'm sure you remember this but it was when we were we were playing Horde in Warcraft and we were goblins. Remember when we, we, were, we played goblins that time? And we ended up going to like a big server-wide RP night where all different races got together in this tavern and they took turns telling stories of their adventures. And it was as simple as a bunch of player characters sitting in a tavern and then one person like had the mic and this person was for all intents and purposes, there was, there was no voice chat, but the person was narrating via text like this story of this adventure they'd gone on and they were using emotes. And I remember this big torrent was doing it and it was, I was enthralled. I, my jaw was on the floor <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is a whole other side of RPGs. I've never, like, I've never seen this level of, coordination and like you know that guy practiced that just for that evening and I was so impressed by 
the game that people can build within the game. I just thought that that was such a neat concept. And from that point, I think almost every game that we've played on a long-term basis, we've done some kind of role play for. Light, might be light, but we absolutely have a plan to immerse our community with Ashes of Creation. It seems like not doing that for for a game like this, at least on a light level, uh, is a missed opportunity. So I was really excited with this. It, I, I don't know what the Reddit community is going to be like for this. I hope that it is as awesome as Guild Wars 2 uh, was and is. But uh, that's KOTOR, and it's back. I'm going to be perusing uh, Reddit to see what interesting things are coming out. I can't wait for the game to come out because I know that once the game comes out and people have access to things that happen in the game and what they can do, the the only limitation is the creativity of players. And God knows that that is not much of a limitation at all. It's true. It's a very good point. Very good point. I like this a lot. I look forward to when we, uh, kind of like you're saying, you know, and you've got, I think right now when it comes to the development of this game, and I think that, Steven's brought up numerous times. The people who are there right now are kind of along for the development ride. But once you get the people who are in there, they're there for, to play and be a part of everything, and which is a huge influx of people, then you're going to really see that Reddit really take off. And then, of course, more community stuff and whatnot. So, yeah, that'll be exciting. Look forward to that. Oh, well, everybody, we are bringing back the Pyrian. Pyrian. I wanted to say Pyrian, but that did not feel right. That felt like a mix between <laughs> nope. a pirate and a apple no. pie. <laughs> felt like no, it was no. a bad, <laughs> bad choice. Go with your feelings. <laughs> trust, trust your feelings. <laughs> Turn off the target. Trust your feelings, Luke. <laughs> the worst part is we're talking elves tonight, and they don't necessarily have the most friendly language to no. pronounce. <laughs> so. He knocked it out on the dwarves, though. I mean, he, he crushed the dwarves, so it, it, I don't know if this is any harder than that. He uh, was coached. It, <laughs> he was coached. <laughs> He's got an earpiece in. He got a teleprompter. Dudes and kill. <laughs> yeah. I've got it spelled out on a teleprompter right in front of me off to the right. <laughs> His wife's holding up cards. That's right. <laughs> D-O-O-N. All right. Well, you're, you're 0 for 1, so tough start. Let's, let's see if you can work through it. Uh, all right, folks. Well, just like last time, before we begin, we're going to creative director Stephen Sharif to tell us a little bit more about the elves. Let's take a listen. For over 4,000 years, the Pyrian royal family of Aradel has endured. The kingdom has seen its share of wars. The kingdom's borders encompass the great forest of Erinthia. The capital of Amira is among the oldest and most beautiful cities in the world. Its royal families can trace their lines back to the days of the Dark Fires. The Pyrian universities of magic and martial studies are unparalleled in the lands of Vera. Many of the citizens of the kingdom venture out into the lands of Vera, wishing to spread their knowledge of art and science to their fellow Verans. These ventures are often subsidized by the royal households of Pyria for hopes it will foster a better relationship with their human neighbors. Once a close ally of Ayla and the House of Lineth, the Pyrian Kingdom and Aelan Empire ended one of the bloodiest wars in Varen history. Eighty years have passed since the last bloodshed, and although tensions have subsided among the citizens of the two nations, there remains a heightened level of distrust among the Empire's new rulers and the royal family of Pyria. So I'm pretty happy, at least, uh, to hear that one. The, um, the sound quality was excellent, and in the words of Sonny, there was nobody bussing a table. <laughs> During that particular <laughs> clip. Oh, that was good. Uh, I'll never forget editing that the next morning. I was laughing 
my butt off at like 5.40 in the morning down here editing. It was so bad. It was so bad. All you could hear was the sound of somebody like full arm extending, sweeping dishes and silverware into a Tupperware bin to take it back to the kitchen right next to the... (laughs) to the microphone a nice condenser mic sitting on top of there catching the entire room (laughs) oh this was infinitely better we're gonna add an additional mic and put it in the kitchen but we're gonna set that one for to catch the whole room no it's funny we just we just we just that was actually a a really good video on the dunes and kel dwarves as well but um no this one was good and i like he gave a just an overhead lob on on what's going on with the Pyrian Elves. So we do know that the Pyrian Elves are comprised of two different sub-races, and I, I'm kind of excited to get into both of these. One of them being the Empyrean, and the other one being, I think we should finish with this one because it's my favorite, is the Pyrae. And um, so over... An overarching area is, is the Pyrian Kingdom, and that's really where they're both from, where you have the um, capital city, um, which is Amara, and then you have, it's surrounded by this great forest of Arinthia, and this is where your two sub-races are going to reside. So you have your Empyreans, who are your, your more traditional fantasy, snooty nose in the air, looking for a sense of perfection in everything, thinking they're better than everybody else. Elves. They look like high elves, right? They are high elves. Your fantasy high elves traditionally is what the Empyreans truly are. And then you have the Pyrae. And the Pyrae lives in the Erinthian forest. And they are going to be your typical, traditional wood elves. Wood elves. (laughs) Yeah. I always like the wood elves. I'm unsurprised that you are excited to talk about wood elves. <laughs> that is no surprise there whatsoever. Uh, I have a question for you guys right off the bat before we even get into this thing. Do you think, and I know that in our show, uh, people that listen to our shows are like, you guys are always so positive about everything. We don't have to be positive about everything. We're just not jerks about it, right? <laughs> That's right. So, There's a way to critique. Right. So here's my question for you in a, in a legitimate critique. Do you think it's low-hanging fruit to have elves finishing a war with humans? That the elves and the humans don't get along, but the war has ended, but there's tension. It seems like in the RPG world, that's fairly trodden territory. I'm going to go with no, and here's why. And this is probably a little bit one-sided, because it's no secret I'm a dwarf fan. I see it from the other standpoint. I always see it with the dwarves and the elves never Mm. really getting along. And I see the elves with the humans normally in a perfect world, way less, you know, there's way less tension there. And they're a little bit more, you know, a little bit more peaceful. That's probably not the right word, but you get what I'm getting at. So for me, I see it the opposite. I don't. I could, I do see why you could say it's low hanging fruit, and arg- that's an argument that's probably, that's probably accurate, to an extent. It probably is a little bit of a low hanging fruit. However, I think that to me, from my standpoint, it does feel new. It does feel refreshing because I'm so, again so used to seeing 
the pointy-eared elves, and the short dwarfs going at it all the time. That's fair. I'll jump in here. I I think that having some kind of a conflict that isn't the conflict is always good. So I love the fact that there is there's some history here. Now, the fact that it is elves versus humans as opposed to any other race, it even from a fantasy perspective, it doesn't surprise me because humans are always for better lack of a better term. Humans are always effing things up. There is zero, zero thought in my mind that that is an True. absolutely <laughs> real thing. Uh, and it's happened in tons and tons of games. But at the same time, you have this high elven race where, again, I think probably a majority of the elves are going to be Empyrean. Um, because that's where that's where the center of everything is, is in this capital city of, of Amera. Um, there's no giant uh, capital city for the Wood Elves, so those are going to be just like your, just like your uh, Dunes and Kel, uh, like your Dunir and Nakua, right? Some of the Elves were like, "Yeah, we're out. Like the city, I'm city life ain't for me. I'm out. I want to go live in a tree and I want to go catch butterflies and such." So off they go, and then millennia down the line, you now have a sub race of this. Um, Navajo type American Indian flavored wood elf that lives in the trees. And I just, I love that. It's super cool. In games past, you've always had humans are, are many times downtrodden. And I would say the one game that in the lore, they're probably not is in world of Warcraft, world of Warcraft. You have Stormwind. It's this mighty center of power. Um, and it, it could be like that in other games, too. But then you look at uh, look at the high elves versus uh, some of the human races in Elder Scrolls. The high elves were always seen as perfection and snooty and super racist. Holy crap. Even in the game, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> some of the stuff those NPCs say <laughs> when we were covering that game, we were like, oh, we're not going to talk about that one on the show. <laughs> that is Video game racism at its best. <laughs> Cash, do you remember what they said on that bridge? I'll never forget yes. it. I yes. I'll never forget it. And I, I think they were speaking to a wood elf. And the, high, the high elf goes, once you realize your race is, your race is useless, then we can use you. I'm just that like. That is almost oh. verbatim what came out. I was like, oh, that's wow. dark. This is dark. <laughs> you are canceled, sir. Woo. So, um. But then, you, you know, you look at games like uh, Guild Wars 2 with, with Tyria and the humans, they they done messed up on, on a, in a lot of ways. And some of the races just incredibly came back on them. So I say all that to say this in a fantasy setting, even though the conflict between uh, the Pyrian kingdom and the human kingdom or the alien kingdom in Vera may not be the pinnacle of your MSQ, right? You're like, your main story quest is not going, most likely, I don't know, but it's most likely not going to feature that as the main thing. I love having the history that's there because it adds flavor if you're ever walking through town and there's, say, an Empyrean elf arguing with an alien. I think that would be freaking hilarious to just hear somebody go at it 
and know that there's a history behind that. So I don't think it's low hanging fruit. I think it's adding flavor to what we're going to experience in this world that's clearly alive. Clearly, they are going to make this world seem alive. So I'm dying to just walk through town and listen to what some of these NPCs are going to say. I, I will also say in agree, in a total agreement with that, one thing that having a conflict does no matter what, whether it even if it is low hanging fruit, what it does in a great way is it really sets up a lot of great dialogue in a game, especially when you're going into a game with something like this that has a history of lore somewhat already kind of laid out there. It gives really, really good dialogue. You know, there may be some, you know, like kind of keeping people at arm's length when it comes to NPCs and conversations. There may be tensions that's, that still may come up. It And honestly, truthfully, what I really like about the fact that there is a conflict like this, or at least there was, and there may be residual feelings about it, that could really set up a great expansion, a great DLC for the future. Oh, Could be you're talking like future war again or something else entirely. So just the fact that there are these conflicts or residual leftovers from conflicts in a game i love that it reminds me of that scene in simpsons uh it was a simpsons episode where it's in the future and lisa's getting married and homer is meeting with hugh grant i think and hugh grant was going to be marrying lisa and homer's like we saved your butt in world war ii and hugh grant says we saved your butt in world war three <laughs> you know those kind of like back and forth things from like old humans and old elves arguing uh, at a you know, in a city park or something like right. that over a chessboard. Right. Those would be uh, those would be cool moments. Yeah, and I think there is there is no greater conflict in fantasy, in my opinion, than that conflict between the elves and the dwarves in the Tolkien series. I really, think I totally that, agree with that. Yes, that's the pinnacle. I think of all of it, and the um, the Tolkien thing does it does bring me to. A few facts. I hope you guys are okay with this, but um, I, I have some fun are facts they fun, here. Are they fun facts? These are deaf. They're all fun <laughs> facts. Um, <laughs> you know, you guys both know how I like to just completely nerd out on some of this stuff and really dive into that, into that bridge between our fantasy worlds and the real world. So I started wikiing and I found out some facts about the elves, just like we did the dwarves. So he. I'm excited. This is going to be so facts. fun. It's, yeah, it's it's really nothing like super special that you would think other than um, uh, it, it's very, very much similar in origin as the dwarves. And it came, yes, it came from North, Norse mythology. It came from Germanic lore. And they are, um, uh, the elves are, have always been thought to be beings of magical power and supernatural beauty who are ambivalent to everyday people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's totally true. And I love it. Tracks this, perfectly. <laughs> this was the folklore and it's come out in every single elf <laughs> in every single game or book ever. They're always just these hoity toity beings. <laughs> they just always treat you as though you're like, a sh- like a plastic shopping bag that's blowing by them in history. <laughs> it's true. Oh my gosh, exactly. it's so true. The high elves from ESO, kind of like what Cash was talking about, are a perfect example of that. Never ever 
have I ever as a character felt so incredibly inadequate whenever I would speak to a high elf? I'm like, geez, man, I'm sorry I'm taking up oxygen around you. Don't mind me while I'm trying to just exist. Like yeah, the director's there. cuts of Lord of the Rings, you know, when you get long scenes with the elves and, and the, the Hobbit. And then if you've watched oh, yeah. the Rings of Power stuff, when they really get into the elves, you're just like, geez, these guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And their their lifespan is is incredibly different than than the humans. And that's probably why they have so much more time to refine and. Um, and perfect who they are and, and what their craft is. But, you know, they're, 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 they live like many times more. I think there's, there is a story that I'm working on right now for, let's see here. It is the Tales of the Homecoming. And in the Tales of the Homecoming, this is, this is Ashes of Creation lore. In the Tales of the Homecoming, there is a female elf who is a uh, chronologist, chronicler, one of those. And she is, she mentions the fact that she's like just shy of 1600 years old or something like that. So Whoa. I was like, oh yeah. I, Where are yeah, you I, reading this? It's in the, it's in the lore. It's, it's on the oh. wiki. Yeah. Wow. You know, I wonder if they had shorter lives, if they'd be less snooty. If they, Yes. If, I, I yeah. totally agree with Cash's point on this, that it's the lifespan that causes this. Because you are insignificant. You're you're like an ant. (laughs) Just going to like one day you're there, the next day you're not. It makes zero difference to them. Okay. So I've total I've just this is in total cash fashion. I totally effed up the number. So let let me let me fix this right now. Live live on the show. (laughs) Uh, yes, this is called Tales of the Homecoming, and it's written by Kyrie Patrika Arasana. Yes, I did. I got all that correct. And this is quote. This is from from it. My name is Kyrie Pat- Patrika Arasana, chronologist and scrivener for the Light Pack. Ooh, scrivener is a good word. It's a great <laughs> word. I am eight hundred and sixty three years old by Elven Reckoning. This is where I got it. See, I'm I'm not so slow. By Elven Reckoning, I am rapidly approaching midlife. Yet Sanctus is the only world I have ever known. Now that's as far as I'm going to go, because that is going to be in Ash's archives. Or just that we're having some narration done on that. So that's going to be a super special thing in the future. I'm really looking forward to that one. But anyway, back to the back to the timetable on age. It appears that they, they do live to be about 1600 years old to a human's, what, 70 measly years. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. You live two grand worth of uh, worth of years, and all of a sudden things look a little different in the big picture. Right? You right. have an eighty years war, and you're like, "Oh, that's a bummer." But if you're a human and you have an eighty years war, that's it. That's yep. all you saw was that. So, like, what what are we talking for? Like teenage years, then for assuming elves on Vera live for let's just say sixteen hundred years. What is that? At fifteen percent, roughly, give or take. Yeah, a hundred. Hundred? And those first hundred years are just <laughs> chaos. I'm learning to walk <laughs> during the first one hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Is it like a Yoda species type of first fifty years where they're just little baby elves? <laughs> oh my god. Well, no, because there's no kids in Vera. Reminds me of Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, at least there's not gonna be any, any kids on Vera from what we hear. Okay, let's get back to some, some okay. Germanic right. facts here because this is 
This medieval Germanic lore is oh, just you have more mind. fun facts. Yes, <laughs> I have a list of bullet points. We won't go through all of them, but they're pretty <laughs> freaking cool. Okay. Uh, okay, so anyway, this I'm gonna get in some get in some pretty funny stuff here. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, and then there's gonna be a recommendation at the end for all of you. So anyway, the name elf in Germanic lore, Germanic language, actually meant white being. So like, yeah. These are these are like your tall your tall white dudes. <laughs> so, even in Germanic lore, they're like, oh yeah, those dudes are really tall and white. Let's we're gonna call them elf. Um, now this is this is very very interesting. Keep in mind this is folklore. Okay, but there was a belief in the 1400s and 1500s in Scotland and Scandinavia that elves actually existed. <laughs> like, I'm people, like, not even close to surprised. Zero <laughs> percent like, surprised. Really believe that elves walked among the living in, hu- in everyday human communities, and there's like, ooh, that person might be an elf. <laughs> and what year was this? So, but the 1400 to 1500s. Wow. In Scotland and Scandinavia. It gets better. Oh, you just hold right This on. is right around the time that the Scottish were figuring out how to make uh, scotch. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So here's, here's some more fun stuff. They were described at the time as being a very seductive race, always trying to abduct humans. Abduct <laughs> Abduct humans? them for what? <laughs> like, I don't know, just stealing their organs? Something like like bathtub kidneys? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> so it wasn't until the 19th and 20th centuries that the belief in them like started to severely decline. But there are many people in Iceland that still believe to this day <laughs> that elves are real. Yep. I'm so sorry to like again. <laughs> Zero percent surprised. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So okay, awesome. so I love it. And what really helped? What really helped to bring some of that feeling back was when William Shakespeare wrote *A Midsummer Night's Dream*. It started that belief, like started to resurge. So, at that time, that is when the elves of Christmas started to take shape oh. in folklore, and that's. That is a world of folklore. That's not any region specific stuff. Because obviously, anyone who has kids or was recently a kid had a freaking elf on the shelf. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That's that true. Crazy little demonic doll that made parents have to do some maddening Don't crap. You talk about red that day. way. <laughs> oh, my God. Leave Steve yeah. out of this. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, so I love, so honest to God though, that's like one of the best new Christmas traditions there's been in the last you're fifty right. years. You're right. We had a ton of fun with it. A ton Tons of, fun. of fun. We're still doing ours. All fun a show. Although I think we're reaching the final year of it. But anyway, yes. Oh, oh yeah. That's, yeah a that's, tough, that's a tough year. That's a tough one. That's yeah. a tough, that was a tough. That we're was going a tough all out year. this year. He'll end up in the toilet. We still I'm sure. do it. We still do it. But yeah. like, it's it's more like a family event now. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Just, just for fun. Okay, so. Then later on, as as folklore started to evolve, obviously, in the 20th century, high fantasy grabbed onto elves. Of course, John Ronald Rule, better known as J.R.R. Tolkien, grabbed hold of the elves and forever changed the look, the feel, the language, the culture. He 
truly, in a sense, created what the high fantasy elf is from from the start. So that belief I gotta, in the- I got to be honest with you. I'm going to stop you here for a second. I don't know how much he really did change it. There's still pretty tall, white, snooty elves. Well, we've moved oh, no, on from are. abducting humans, so I say yeah, well, they, <laughs> they no longer pick up your baby. That's a pretty good <laughs> development. rest of us still seems on, on course, though. <laughs> it is, but... It, you know, as as opposed to the, you know, being trying to abduct humans, like you just mentioned, it's it, he refined them is what is what I would say. He put the finishing touches, I think, on on elves. And, and the reason that I say that is because, you, you know, if you just take one aspect of modern fantasy elves and that one aspect is the language, any fantasy intellectual property has some form of. Sindarin, which was the the most commonly spoken Elvish language that he wrote for Middle Earth. And that was just one of the languages that he wrote for Middle Earth. Now, those languages that he wrote for the elves were like based off of, he based them off of like Welsh and um, Celtic languages. But I just, I loved it. I'm going to finish with this point because I think at this point, it made me laugh even when I was like researching for the show. I was laughing so freaking hard. So anyway, there's a belief in elves from the Middle Ages to the modern age where they were labeled as like paganism or superstition. And I absolutely beg to differ. Freaking wiki nerds. I know <laughs> that they exist somewhere out there. And there is there's proof of this kind of. So there is a movie. And if you haven't seen it, this is your, at least your two, this is your freaking homework. You have to watch this movie. It's called Eurovision, the story of fire saga. And it is on Netflix. This movie is Will Ferrell and Rachel <laughs> McAdams. And it, they play two singers from Iceland and they, they get, it's, 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 it's not real, okay? But it's based on the Eurovision Song Contest, which is absolutely a real thing. Where all these European countries, they send like their best. It's almost like the Olympics of, of music. So picture, um, what's that? The super popular uh, music game show that's that's out. What's the name of it? American Idol. I don't oh, watch it. American Idol. American Idol. Imagine American Idol for all of Europe. But it's all these different countries like sending their best musical Olympians to try and win this thing with one song. And that is what Eurovision, the story of Fire Saga, is about. It's about Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. They're both from Iceland trying to win this competition. It is Will Ferrell at his best, but the best part is they believe in freaking elves. <laughs> so, of course they do. Yeah, oh, my God. It is so worth a watch. It is it's not a very intellectual movie, but it's funnier than hell. So I'm going to end with that. I know that was super long, but anyway. It's, well, I mean, I like elves. Well, well done on the research. Yeah, there were so job. many fun facts in there. It was just a <laughs> smorgasbord of fun facts. Um, I am going to bring it back uh, here. And there is, uh, I want to do this very quickly because it's worth noting here before we go into the subclasses, right? We have the two subclasses of the Pyrian elves that we have to talk about. But before we get there, I want to do a quick, I want to do a quick minute on this because this is a big deal. 
The elves kind of stayed to themselves in Ashes of Creation, at least uh, modern Ashes of Creation, until they sort of started coming out in a scientific sense, uh, in a in a scholarly sort of sense. And you start to see them around the towns, but it's usually in a scholarly type of environment. The universities are a big thing. And so this, I thought, was worth getting a comment. And I'll start with JB. This is something I haven't really seen out of elves. To only see elves in more or less an academic sense in the other races' cities. Yeah, you know, that... Well, I want to even back it up even further. Like, from my understanding, from the elves in Vera, their knowledge is, like, the knowledge. They they understand it all. And their desire now is to spread that knowledge amongst Varans. And so... The fact that, and again, if I'm understanding your question correctly, the fact that they want to go get out and spread that information and essentially, as players, will be kind of planting those universities through scientific nodes anyway, if you think about it, when they bring when they bring those around, they, once they get their node up to a certain level, it's kind of different anyway, uh, and then kind of unique. So I think that that's really cool. And it makes sense from a lore standpoint. Look, if you're talking elves, if you're going to have elves in your in your world that live 1,600 years, they're probably going to be the most yep. fluent on whether or not elves truly kidnap humans or not. You know, so it's just like... <laughs> I know they do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of dig it. I dig it, yeah. I saw it once in Iceland. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's go into the subclasses of the elves here. All right, we're going to start with, we're going to leave the, the, the favorite one for last year. So we're going to start with the Empyreans. The Empyreans, these are their big three. I love, I love the big three that we're doing with all of the subclasses. What a brilliant sort of way to bring it all together, right? And it tells so much. And I don't think that there might not be another one that tells more than this one. So the Empyrean is... Imperial pride culture. Cash, how high elf is that? It's pretty damn high elf. It it absolutely is. And I think this is this does capture the essence of what high elf society is all about. I mean, I I truly do. Imperial? Okay. Yeah. Like that tells you right off the bat, like we are the shiz. You are not. <laughs> if you are not Imperial, you are not Shiz. So, uh, I mean, that one just right off the bat. Culture is culture is huge because if you if you peel off of that culture as the Pirate did, um, you're making an instant separation. Mm-hmm. And they made it very very clear that that that's what the case is. And what was the second? What was the second one you mentioned? Pride. Pride. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what do you see? I see pride. I see power. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> is that, cool? Is that cool runnings? That's cool running. Sorry. But it absolutely, um, it absolutely does tell the story of, of what they're all about. And I agree with you, too. I love that each one of these races has these three tenets that they that they live by. And it's they don't really say exactly what they mean. They kind of leave it up to the interpretation. Perhaps more of those tenets are going to be talked about in the lore within the game, which I think would be fantastic. But you can see the Empyrean tenets in everything. 
Um, we haven't really been able to hear like what the characters' voices sound like. I would imagine maybe that they would sound, maybe have like a, a British, a very refined, say, British voice to them. Then maybe the voice actors will be that. Um, you can definitely see it in the architecture. Um, we don't know anything about the writing yet. So, but all of these things are, you know, they're going to come out with the attention to detail that Intrepid is showing so far. I really hope this stuff comes out in the writing too. Like that is, it's something that I thought have thought about on several occasions. What I'm reading in the wiki really does seem to be some pretty fantastic writing. And I love the stories. But I am worried about the, the greater game just because we haven't seen a whole lot of the writing within the game yet. I really hope they stick to this really witty, very well-flowing stories that are just centered in lore. That's what I really hope for. JB, do you think, uh, do you think you'd be able to play an Empyrean? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I would rather take a nail in the foot than play an Imperial Elf. No offense, by the way, to anyone playing one, just to be clear. <laughs> but uh, it's just not for me. It's the closest to Elf I've ever really gotten into was a Wood Elf because everyone's a thief in Skyrim. Everyone steals things in Skyrim. So I wanted to be an archer. You got the buff from being a Wood Elf. That was my wood elf. I feel like rogue should almost be a like unplayable class for an Empyrean, right? Oh, <laughs> like if we're oh going in, in Warcraft rules of, you know, you can't be a dwarven cleric or something like that. Yeah. Were you able to be a dwarven cleric? I don't think you were. Um, in but Warcraft? they were like, yeah, in Warcraft. Dwarven priests, clerics. Yeah. And, yeah, dwarven priests, you could be. Dwarven priest? Okay. Yeah. There, I remember Druid was like a really hard one. Like, you couldn't be like a human Druid, yeah, I don't think. Elf, no. Yeah. Um, nope. So, there, there's certain things that just, you, it'd take a hell of a backstory to pull off. And, and a Pyrian thief would be really something. But uh, on the other hand, when you have the Pyrae. Cash, would you like to introduce us to the Pyrae? <gasps> yes! I'm just going to serve, serve this up to you. Here you go. <laughs> I love the Pyrae. They're so fun. Okay, so <laughs> it, there's there's zero question that the Pyrae are, are kind of my thing. Um, they are your, they're going to be your classic wood elves. They're big three, nature, balance, and fury. Now the fury part We'll talk about nature and balance first. Those are, those two are very, uh, they're very static for wood elves, right? Classic. So classic. classic. So nature, of course, they, they have left their life, their lives in the city for a more rustic life. They want to live off the land. They want to hunt the land. They want to respect the land. So really in between nature and balance, um, you have your classic wood elves. Uh, with balance, I think, you know, you're, you're talking more about that connection to nature, like on a spiritual level. And I just, for me personally, like this really, really, the wood elves just really, really resonate with me. And I'm not going to go uh, very much further into that because we've covered it on, on other shows just about how much I love the Navajo. So the, the, the spin for the culture in Ashes, I think, is just, it's right up my alley. So anyway, that's my class. Now, the Fury part is what is interesting to me, although we did see F 
fury in the Bosmer, which are Elder Scrolls Wood Elves. And when I say fury, Elder Scrolls, the series tends to take bits of lore that could be seen as extreme and like really step over the line. So where you have these super racist high elves, the Bosmer were so full of fury that after they killed an enemy, their entire family would eat them. <laughs> what? Yep. Yes. <laughs> I didn't the not Bosmer, know this. Yes, yep. the Bosmer in Elder Scrolls are cannibalistic. It's gnarly. And it's considered mm. like it's considered like a like it's just their culture. But was this in the game? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a big deal. Full yeah, cannibals. There's definitely in you Only windows. meat eaters. Yep, they were definitely um what was that dude that just got busted for saying he was all natural, but he's not? Who's the meat eating dude? Oh, What's Liver King. The Liver King. Yeah, they were all liver <laughs> yeah, kings. I know the guy just like, oh yeah, you know, just let me liver. Oh yeah, and it rises to the top. Right. <laughs> Wait, yeah, did anyways, we, did so. we just transition into Macho Man? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the Macho Man. Yeah, we did. So anyway, um, so the Pyrae are are this this race just full of fury, and it says that they rarely take prisoners, which means like, hey man, you're on my land. I really apologize for this, but you're gonna die. Now, whether or not they eat their quarry is yet to be seen. But I'm really interested to see where this fury part comes in with uh, with their culture. Now, all of them in appearance will have these uh, vestigial antlers. And the character creator is going to allow you to have tons of different types. So where you can really customize what you want them to look like, short, long, whatever. I don't know how much I agree with the fact that Every single pirate character has to have them. That one is like, okay, because that really kind of like that really locks you in. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that one yet, but um, I mean, mine's going to have them. So anyway, we're just, we're just gonna well, yours going to is definitely going to have them because they all yeah. have to have them. That, yes, that all, is a complaint uh, that I've seen from people is like, why does my pirate have to have antlers? Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think Steven, so. like, stepped out on this one and said, like, look, this is, like, a core feature for these guys. So. Yeah, and if, if like, that's it, then, dude, my hands are up. I'm going to play, I'm going to play Pyrae anyway. Like, I don't care. I'll just make mine look badass. From a player choice standpoint, couldn't we just have a customization option that kind of looks like Hellboy where they've sawed them all or sanded them down? Oh, you know? that would be cool. Oh, like, well, sawed yeah, off you your go. own antlers to try to hide your yeah. culture. Oh, yeah. that'd be super role play. Okay, so like on top of my, it wasn't really a complaint. I guess mine was more of a concern, but that is a solution. If you ask me, that's a fantastic solution. You know, how we always say like, don't bring a complaint without a solution. That's right. You nailed it, dude. That would be a fantastic one to be able to to do that as an option, I think would be super freaking think cool. Think how crazy that could be for storyline where you just have like a bunch of pyre that are sawing off their own, you know, antlers or maybe people are 
capturing Piraean towns and sawing off their antlers to try to, you know, assimilate them. Gosh, what is this, like elephant poaching where they're sawing off the tusks? Yeah, Yeah, maybe you use the part that you cut off in a soup or something. That makes you strong like bull, more virile man. That's right. And we're back to the Liver King, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. So I don't know. Like, I, there's, there's really, there's not a whole lot more to talk about the pyray that's that is out there and available to us, other than things that we've already talked about, which is their their cultural influence being Navajo, and the fact that their architecture is is not going to be Navajo. Remember, we talked about that. We were like, okay, typical Navajo lived in mud huts, but the yeah. pyray are not going to live in mud huts. They live in like a more. Um, uh, like a whimsical woodsy structures that are like built directly from the land, directly from trees and, um, and like, you know, grass roofs and foliage all over the place, just green, vivid colors, stuff like that. So, all right. Last question for you two guys, JB first, uh, and then cash further from the norm, the pyre to elves or the Nakua to dwarves. Oh, Nakua to dwarves. Easy. Hands down. Easy. Yep. Tiki, Mark, you know, on the beach. Yeah. With, you know, letting it all hang out, getting a suntan. Dwarves don't do that. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, could do, though. And, you know, I will, I'll, I'll further that by, I agree with him, but I will further that by saying that the Dunir to the Nakua it feels more drastic because we've never seen dwarves split mm. into mm. such vastly different sub races. That's a very good point. Dwarves don't do that. Right. Elves de- uh, elves have definitely done that in a lot of games. That's a good point. Yes. Yeah, you'll have, you know, elves from uh from the wastelands, you'll have elves from underground. Mm-hmm. Um you'll have the wood uh, the traditional wood elves, you'll have high elves, but you really don't see too many dwarven species breaking off from the mountains and that's why I think and, and it's such a drastic cultural change where they've gone from the mountains to to the coastland that I I just think that that one is is way more of a drastic change yep oh well guys this was fun this uh elves <laughs> I, I feel like, like with all of these we could just go right like yeah. I, I, there's a there's a real a, a real pride for us on not having four hour podcasts, but some of these things, you know, it just is it's just too hard to to be all encompassing in the in the time period that we have. And and one of those things is talking about the culture of dwarves and elves. It's yeah. we could talk forever about this stuff. And as as we get closer to the game coming out, we will definitely revisit some of these topics with a yeah. finer tooth comb. This oh, is yeah. kind of your. 30,000 foot view on Ashes Elves. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Man, agreed. That was fun. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. This was Lore Forge, the podcast for Ashes of Creation, episode number six. We hope you enjoyed yourselves here. And uh, we've got, to, before we move on, we've got a review we got to read here. This is a five star review from Yay! Sunny at Your Homeland, Canada. Yay! This is from Jersey <laughs> Reviews, and they say, Great show, guys. I especially enjoyed the cleric one, and I hope you continue to divulge each race and class combo. Thinking of maining a healer now. There is a first time mm-hmm. for everything, right? 
Any word on the XP system? I think the WoW Rested XP idea is great. Not only does it help with downtime, but it also makes you look forward to logging back in even more. Cheers. Can't wait for episode four. That was Jersey Reviews. Well, you know what? I think we should answer his question. Maybe on next episode. We'll bring I'll that I'll take up. that. I won't take it real quick in 10 seconds. I like that not because it gives you the rested XP, because it encourages people to spend time in inns. There you go. That's exactly what I was going to say. I love you. Yep. Our heads are on the same yep. freaking swivel. Perfect. Now, do we have any word on the XP system? We're not for sure yet. I don't know. We'll I have look no into idea. It. We'll I have look not into a clue. It. We'll look into it. <laughs> yeah. Thank uh, you for that review, though. That was really cool, man. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you sure. very yeah, much. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in. And if you want to leave us your review, tell us how we're doing. Please take a moment and do so. We greatly appreciate it. It helps other gamers like you figure out if this is a show for them. And also kind of just um, get a vibe and understanding what the show's all about. And uh, not to mention, of course, any written five-star review that we get from on Apple Podcasts, we will read right here on the show. So thank you all so much. Don't forget, you can always call us, 516-875-1776. You can call in the voicemail line. Try to keep your voicemails around a minute if you want to play it here on the show during our mailbag segment. And, of course, you can always email us your questions to be uh, distributed during the mailbag segment as well. Contact at loreforge.com. Sonny? Don't forget to go to loreforge.com. That is our hub for all of the different things. If you're curious about anywhere that we are, you can get there from loreforge.com, including YouTube, our burgeoning YouTube library being filled more and more every single day. That is at youtube.com slash at loreforged. Twitch, we are doing Twitch, twitch.tv slash loreforgedhq. And I think, I know that I'm springing this on you guys, but I think we're getting close to starting to do live podcasts on it. It is coming. We will let you know when that is coming. Uh, You can, of course... Find us on Patreon and get all of our content early as well as the State of the Owl episodes. And if you think we're cutting loose on this, well, (laughs) you just wait. (laughs) Cash Uh doesn't stop at one drink with his bread pudding on those ones. (laughs) That is patreon.com slash loreforgedhq. Cash. I'm much less tame on those episodes. (laughs) You guys have to reel me in. Anyway, friends, if you... um if you want to join us in our Discord community, we've actually been having a lot of fun. Many of us have jumped back into New World, which has actually been a really good time. We're having a blast playing New World again. We haven't played the game in a couple of years. They've made a lot of really cool changes. So it's research, okay? It's research. Starfield or nothing. <laughs> All right. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Anyway, come in and join us. We've had, uh, actually, we've had quite a few people joining us lately, and uh, some of those folks are coming in and chit-chatting with us when we got a big group of people, and it's actually been a really good time. Uh, you can follow us on X. Uh, Jibs is at Jibs IRL. Myself, I'm at Cash Quests. Sunny is at You of Coruscant, and don't forget to follow the show. That's where we make all of our announcements for everything Loreforged, and that is on X at Loreforged HQ. Now, real quick mention here, we're going to be bringing some more information about this in the coming weeks, but one thing that we have been uh, very, very big advocates for and has been very near and dear to our hearts, we've been very involved in this stuff over the years, is Extra Life. And I'm sure that if you're familiar with the Ashes community, you know how, um, how close of a spot this holds in Steven's heart and in the developers there, the entire team 
loves to do stuff for Extra Life. And basically what Extra Life is, it is a charity that benefits children's hospitals across the United States and Canada. And having been a very close part of this for quite a long time, I can tell you this. We can tell you this. Extra Life is a legit charity. We've seen where the money goes. We've spent time with those kids. It is incredible. So we will be doing something this year. Game day is November 4th. We cannot guarantee that we will be doing something on game day because we have to find a day. Remember, Sonny and I's schedules are crazy. Jibs is the only normal one in the bunch. So we need to make sure that our schedules uh, are synced up. And when they are, we will be doing something. So if that happens to be November 4th, then it will. But we're planning something special. And we really want to get as many people involved. If you're interested in joining our team to help us fundraise, go to extra-life.org and search Loreforged. Anybody can join our team and help us make money for the kids. There you go. Can't wait for that. I'm really, really looking forward to that and looking forward to people hearing what we're going to be doing. Yep. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful week. Have a great time in gaming. And uh, if you're playing Starfield, be safe out there. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> I'm in danger. Peace, love, and honeybees. Safe travels, everyone. <laughs>